everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I don't know. It's it's all happening. <laughs> Actually, nothing's happening. I've been so like grossly unproductive today that it is embarrassing. And when I hate myself in a couple of days for having deadlines that I am running late for, this will this today will be why. Hey, listen, listen. Fu- that's a problem for future you. Okay, that's true. Right now, present you is getting nothing done. So it's okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this feels very much like. Do you know that that meme about sowing and reaping? Yeah. It's like me sowing. Yeah, f yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> and it's like me reaping. What the f? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it is. Yes, definitely. Sowing and reaping. Today, I, today I am sowing. Okay. Well, and next week I will be reaping. <laughs> <gasps> it's okay. I got you. We're gonna be fine. So. Um, uh, should I just tell the people what we're talking about since I'm the one who's vaguely prepared? Um, I am prepared. I watched all of it and I didn't like this is one of the better mysteries that you make me sit through. It is true. It is. And I'm actually quite excited to talk about this one. This one, one this is one that I've actually like I've been waiting for you to watch all the way through so that we can talk about um, this 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 season because we are here for. Unforgotten. Yeah, the show in question is season five of Unforgotten. We talked about the very first episode, and now we're going to talk about the season as a whole. So if you have not finished it yet, consider this your warning that we're about to spoil all of it for you. So if you haven't finished it, hit pause until you have, and then come back. Because I have like a lot of very conflicting thoughts. Um, I... I have to say there are some serious twists in this season. Um, but before yeah, but they're dumb twists. Okay, before we get to the twists, um, and whether or not they are dumb, um, because I have some mixed feelings on that. Um, what I want to say is that when we did our episode on episode one, uh. Ep- Oh gosh, I don't remember what I said in the first episode. Okay. That was like weeks um, ago. I, okay, what I re- what I said. Um, when we talked about the premiere, because basically we sort of broke down like all the things that were happening. So there was so much in that premiere um, is that I was really worried because our four suspects were so disparate for the first time since season one and two that I was genuinely worried that this was going to be a little bit like season one and feel incredibly unsatisfactory. And What I kind of got was sort of in the same vein as season one. And I don't know if it was satisfactory this time. You know, the thing about season, the thing about Unforgotten, when when all is said and done every season, is that I feel like I've walked away asking myself, what is justice? Mm. And this season really was sort of a gut punch of what is justice. You know, I've I've said many times on this podcast that season one is, in my opinion, the worst of the seasons because it doesn't feel like justice in any way, shape or form. We are given this case about a a black queer youth who is murdered in the 1970s during the during the height of the nationalist movement in the UK and 
the people who are guilty turn out to be a woman who suffered from postpartum psychosis that was untreated, who then who was married to a gay man who then basically paralyzed himself and spent the next 30 years abusing her for murder she couldn't remember committing and is now and now suffers from dementia and is basically going to suffer old people abuse for the rest of her life at the hands of her sons while her paralyzed husband goes to jail. And that didn't feel like that. That doesn't feel like justice. Right. Whereas season two, when the three people didn't go to jail and there was no, quote unquote, actual justice for these three murders of these pedophiles who hurt these people, that actually felt like justice. And so I. That that's why I love this show, because it really did make me think about those things. And this is the first time since since those first two seasons, because season three and season four, in a way, they both really did sort of like the, the ending was very obvious. You felt like you had had reached justice, even if even if Cassie wasn't sure if she believed that season three was justice because this guy had basically been allowed to rampage for 20 years or she died and so she never got to see it. Um this season it felt so complicated. And yeah, there were some dumb twists to get it that complicated. But man, that was complicated. I I mean, I feel like before we even start talking about it, do you want to cliff notes what happened? Yeah, I think that's probably Okay, so when we talked about this in season 1 or when we talked about this in episode 1, um we have I was wrong, unfortunately. <laughs> you were par- you were more right than you thought, though, than I thought. Um, so we have this body that's found in a chimney in a house that's being renovated, which used to be inhabited by squatters because for a decade it basically stood empty while the in- while the uh, the people who in- while the kids who were supposed to inherit the house basically fought over it. And they uh, they determined that the that the woman inside the chimney, even though she looked like a young girl, was actually 34. Um, She was uh, a a drug addict um, and her name was Precious Faliday. The four suspects were uh, a Lord, Lord Toady Hume, um, uh, a Belle Faliday who is a restaurateur who who winds up being be revealed as her mother. Um, a guy by the name, who goes by the name Jay, but his his government name, according to everyone, up until episode five is Joseph Bell, who is her son. And then uh, a guy named Carol who lives in Paris, who turns out to have been her social worker who quit his job literally the day after she died and ran away to Paris on fake papers. And we don't... So we discover that Tony Hume is related to the woman who owned the house and was basically the one with the keys to it during the time that the heirs were fighting over it. We learn that Joseph Bell was basically sort of with his mom on and off after they were abused by the cult leader who she had him with. And that according to everyone, he was pushing his mom to go back to sex work, which doesn't really jibe with the Jay we meet. 
but okay. And the the Carol guy is um well he's Jewish, he's kinda troubled, um he's trying to get married to this French chick and he's got like this whole thing about like her having his babies and buying her a house and she's a little like listen dude I already did the marriage thing once and it went south I'd like to take this slow and he's not cool with it um so we have these people who are all connected and they all look shady as heck let's be honest like Abele beat the crap out of her daughter. She drank like a fish. She is clearly in denial that her daughter had fetal um, uh, syndrome, fetal alcohol syndrome. Like, it's, it, they all look shady as crap. And it, it could be any one of them. And that's sort of where, where, we, where, where, where we are but after the first three or four episodes, I guess, is probably, yeah. Yeah, but I wanted you to explain the ending. Okay. Um, so Because it's if we're gonna because that's what we're gonna talk about, is we're gonna talk about the ending. Yes. And I don't think that unless you explain the ending, I didn't I mean I guess it's very nice that you explained all that stuff. But I wanted <laughs> you to talk about the ending. Okay. <laughs> I think so I should have been more clear. That the, was my the, fault. The, the 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 twist, the 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 what Lacey refers to as the dumb twist, which literally well, I have several candidates for the dumb twist, so let's keep that in mind. Okay. So um the twist one is that the denial of fetal alcohol syndrome by Abele is not that she actually drank during pregnancy. It's that her grandfather poured. Oh, this isn't even close to the one I was going to call the dumb twist. Okay. Her basically, when she got pregnant at 17 with Precious, her grandparents tried to force her to have an abortion. And her grandfather poured uh, like a, a gallon of vodka down her throat to basically sort of poison the baby into sort of flushing itself out and gave the baby fetal alcohol syndrome, which is part of why Abele has always been an alcoholic, A, and B, been in denial of what's wrong with her child. Um, Abele is Tony Hume's daughter from a rape when he was 17. He When he was like 18 or 19, he raped her 17-year-old mother who then gave birth to a ballet and then threw herself in the Thames like three weeks later, which is why her grandparents, A, hated her and B, freaked out so badly when she got pregnant at 17, perpetuating the, 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 the teen pregnancy, you know, family tradition. Um, hold on. So that's two. Um, the third twist is that Carol didn't actually quit um the agency because of precious's death he quit it because she was blackmailing him because she'd found his upskirt photos because he had basically become so depressed after being beaten for being jewish that he started upskirting women I mean, I'm just going to take a second to interrupt and say, I don't care how depressed you are as somebody who suffers from depression and anxiety. Please do not, like, abuse people as a way to make yourself feel better because that is gross and probably illegal. Oh, I mean, if they had... I, I wanted... Me, fin finish finish the recap and then we'll talk about all of it because I have plenty more to say about that guy. Okay. Um, Maybe a little quicker, though. We're, like, 15 minutes into this and we haven't actually talked about it. 
Okay, but the big one and the, and the twist that literally like made my jaw drop is that Joseph Bell isn't Joseph Bell. His name is actually Jay. He is Precious's second son who she kept hidden from everybody somehow. Um, Joseph Bell was her first son whose identity he stole because Joseph Bell was also shot the same night that Precious died. So there were actually two bodies who died. There were actually two people who died that night. And Jay has always known this. And he's basically been like living under his brother's identity ever since. And he knows who really killed his mother and brother and has been basically trying to like live on the streets and like keep low because he knows this thing and he knows one day he's gonna have to use it well and he also like stole his brother's identity so he could keep his benefits too don't forget that oh that's true right that also that is also true um so yeah so we have this entirely wacko wait you also didn't even finish because then after that he he all oh, right okay after, so 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 basically this is a whole lot there's a whole lot episode six is a whole lot because basically they then do the agatha christie thing where they sit down tony hume and he tells his version of events that night where he says that uh basically he was being threatened by joseph bell who was this terrible person who was high and wanted money and that he was waving around a gun and he and precious fought of the gun he shot he Precious accidentally shot him in the scuffle and then she turned the gun on herself and killed herself. And so it was a murder-suicide and it was an accident. It was terrible. Abele then then actually corroborates that story. She says she showed up after it all happened and that's what Tony told her happened. And she never questioned it at the time, but now she does. She doesn't actually know what happened. And then they go and they get Jay and Jay's like, okay, no, here's what actually happened. The fight was not over money. The fight was over the fact that Tony Hume had never supported them, had basically like ruined their family life by raping their great, by the Joseph Bell was basically yelling at him that raping my great grandmother, you ruined like all these generations and you should like give us money for reparations and how dare you and tony hume started to throttle him and to the point where he couldn't breathe so he pulled out a gun in self-defense precious tried to stop him and then according to jay when he talks to the police he tells them the gun went off and joe shot precious and in shock sort of like half-handed the gun to tony without thinking because his mother was dying in front of him and tony shot joe and so they arrest Tony and they put him in jail and they get to try him, A, for the rape all like 59 years ago and the murder ten, five years ago. But then when Abele goes and finds Jay and says, oh, I'm your nan. And she's like, I can't believe you've had that all the time. And he's like, actually, I lied. No, Tony told the truth. Uh, Joe, uh, Precious shot Joe and was so horrified that she put the gun to herself. But he freaking deserved it because, you know, he ruined four generations of our lives. And, you know, he, he deserved to go to jail for all that. And this is the only way we could ever get him tried for that rape. The end. <laughs> this season is real extra. And honestly, I think it tries to do too much. I think and that's... I'm not saying I'm not saying I didn't enjoy watching it. But I actually enjoyed a lot more of the Sonny and Jesse stuff, which we'll get to lit after we talk about the actual mystery, than I did the actual mystery. And I found the ending of it really unsatisfying, honestly. Well, that's the thing, is that part of the reason why I felt like season one was so unsatisfying all those years ago is because it was trying to do too much in the same way. It was trying to talk about black queer youth 
Um, it was trying to talk about uh, postpartum psychosis and the fact that women were not being treated for such things. It was trying to talk about gay men getting married to in, in, in straight marriages, being forced to stay in the closet. It was trying to talk about all of those things. And what ended up happening was an ending that absolutely did not feel like justice in any way, shape or form. Like, this is so messy. Like, there's too much happening. Number one, like, if I had if I had a choice, like, the entire subplot about Upskirt Dude can just go in the trash. <laughs> like, that legit, it, that does nothing. It's barely even connected to the rest of the story. And he sucks as a character. And it, like, that added nothing to the larger story for me. So okay. I feel like we could have just jettisoned that completely. Okay. Before before we jettison that, though, I just want to say one thing because that frustrated me because when they first began to get there and they first began to get him to confess, I almost wanted them to basically make it like he had a concussion and the concussion basically screwed him up and that there was like a concussion issue there. But they didn't no, actually... He's just a dirtbag. He's just a dirtbag. He's a dirtbag that serves no narrative purpose, which is worse because that means he's a boring dirtbag. And 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 the Jewish thing doesn't really all it does is make it worse. Well, yeah, like I'm sorry, I'm sorry that somebody was a bigot to you, but you do not respond to that by going and taking upskirt photos of women on the tube. Like I just, and even the blackmail aspect of it was not terribly relevant like i get no. it precious is desperate and was doing desperate things and was not a very good person i could have gotten that from all the rest yeah. of it without all this boring like the subplot about him stealing watches and his friend like covering for him or whatever i don't care die yeah i i have to say that the carol thing was definitely one thing too many and didn't really add anything except that it gave Fran a lot more to do than I think. I mean, I, Fran was very awesome this season, but she could have been awesome on the main case instead of being forced to deal with the stir bag. Okay, true. Um, I uh, do you know what? It's not like Lord Tony Hume was not a dirtbag, and yet right? he was an interesting dirtbag. He was an interesting dirtbag, and man, that scene, I know Haley Mills was underused, but that scene between Lady Emma and Abele, when Abele shows up and is like, I'm Tony Hume's daughter, hello, he's known about me for 30 years, I'm 58, I've been your stepdaughter for 58 years, welcome to me! Like, that entire scene between those two actors, between Martina Laird and Haley Mills, was just like I was like this is great stuff I thought it was a really good scene I thought it was a good scene I also thought it was a largely unnecessary scene well yes like, and I yeah just, I, could, I probably would have excised that too just because to me like the problem with um um Abele is that she keeps ha having the same scene over and over okay, and I don't yes. feel like yes. there's a lot of an arc for her and that's just another version of the same scene she had a bajillion times through the whole season. Do you know what I felt the worst for in all of this is her husband? Oh, no, he's her boyfriend. The one that she beats up? Whatever. Yes. Her man friend. He gets beat up. She dumps all of her family crap on him. <laughs> like, he tries to be supportive and she keeps running away. I felt so bad for him. I have to say, A, um, the, the, the actor Mark Frost is brilliant. Um, B, I... I wanted more um, self-awareness from her of what kind of person mm. she had become. Yeah. yeah, There was still too much denial from her. And there was so much like, look, it's not that I don't think that Lord Tony did something terrible and that he should face justice for the things that he did do. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the same thing as blaming him for things he didn't do or blaming him for things that you theoretically had control over. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we all have dads. Like, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> we, right. Like, or a lot of us. <laughs> we are. Have, yeah, yeah. have, have dads. And I just, I like, this is a personal pet peeve of mine, but like, I just feel like you can't blame four generations of your own failure on one horrific incident. Like, that just does not work for me. Like, yes, he should be punished for that. Yes, he should be forced to face that. But, like, the reason that you were a bad mother doesn't have anything to do with him. That was your own choice, girl. I mean, there's a lot there to be said about the fact that there was no social service safety net for her because she came I mean, up to during be fair, the... Yeah, okay, that is also true, but the show handles that so ham-fistedly. They're like, he deserves it because he's a Tory. I'm like, okay, I guess. Um, it's just there's no nuance in any of this, and it makes me so angry because there are the bones of like a really thoughtful, very layered story here, but it's like, this is like we decided to tell the children paint by numbers version of the story, which is just very frustrating to me. Um, I do think that there is also a thing that you're missing here. And I think this is something that I don't know how to explain because I don't quite understand it either because I'm an American, but my father was not. And I, I can't, I remember when Margaret Thatcher died and he sang the wicked witch is dead. I, again, this is an excuse. This is, this is, did you ever watch Big Brother? This is Colin being like victim noises. That's what this is. Okay, like, okay. I just can't, I cannot take that character seriously. Okay. But there is, there is a real rage against the way that Thatcher dismantled a system that was in place that 10 years before she was, the, t- that 10 years earlier would have supported a ballet. And I think that that's the thing that you're missing in that. That no, no, no. I don't. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree no, with it. That's very possible. And to be fair, I do think that, like, obviously, we need very robust social safety nets in every country on Earth because, like, that is what we are supposed to do. It is what we are called to do. Is to help the less fortunate. But I also feel like that there is a point at which this particular character decides that that's her entire personality and therefore has no responsibility or or anything beyond that like and it's so frustrating watching a piece of media that's trying to tell me something but she's as bad as anybody else everybody in this is horrible i would also say um that there is a level where they try to make Tony Hume out to be like he had this massive change of heart in 2016. <laughs> I knew immediately he was guilty. Do you know why? He's the most famous person in the cast. Oh, it's the yeah. law and order rule. <laughs> Good point. Um, so a that, but also here. Um, honestly, I did not feel that. I did not feel that he had really changed. Yes, he yells at his 17-year-old grandson not to go around raping people. Yes, he is trying to get money for a a a a a, a place an after-school place, but as noted by that 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 dude who he who who refuses his grant, he didn't actually put any work into it. He just kind of like blase was like, "Yeah, whatever." Well. 
And I don't and know no. that that's a thing. I don't think that's a problem I would assign to him specifically as opposed to politicians generally. No, I don't true. think the show does a terribly good job about elucidating what his position was before all of this. He was just bad because he was a Tory and rich. And that is like the extent of the characterization that he got on that point. That actually. OK, no, that actually is. They do. They actually shorthand that for British audiences in a way that Americans don't understand. And that is in the Thatcherite stuff that they say. There's a lot of there's a lot of shorthand that they use that I think doesn't read mm-hmm. to Americans about Thatcher's policies that you're supposed to just get that they don't bother explaining. Maybe they should have cast somebody who didn't have such like nice grandpa vibes. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, I also think that uh that there's a level where it really puts a different spin on that scene where he goes and he visits Mustafa. It makes it creepy when you realize that he raped a Nigerian woman all those years ago and he has a Nigerian daughter. And 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 suddenly he's going and make paying this call to this Nigerian lady out of nowhere. And he's like, I see something special in your son. That's creepy. That's creepy as heck. Anyway, I mean, yes, it's creepy, but I also get it. You know, like there's atonement comes in a lot of forms. Okay, not that I not that I fully know if I think that I even believe he was really, you know, super trying to atone or anything. Maybe he was. I can't, you know, know anybody's heart. But, like, I think that was how I read that more than just, like, him being a weirdo. Yeah. I mean, yes, it was kind of weird because I would not want somebody just randomly showing up my ho- up at my house and being like, here's some money. Unless it was that dude who brings the publisher's clearinghouse checks. But <laughs> um, for the youth, that used to be a thing. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, isn't I think, that, still a th- isn't I, that still a thing? Is that not I don't know. Didn't that guy die? I have no idea. All right. Anyway, point me. In terms of mystery. Someone email us and tell us if the guy from Publishers Clearinghouse is dead or not. In terms of uh in terms of mysteries, I do feel that this is the closest I've seen the show go back to making the same mistakes it made in season one. Mm. And that that to me was my biggest concern. Um, I don't feel like they totally retrod the same path. I don't feel like it was truly a miscarriage of justice, but it also made me deeply uncomfortable with the with well, the way it played out, and it made me question because it's not it's not justice. It's not, not really. Justice. I mean, some of it is, but a lot of it isn't, and and I don't think. I don't think you can condemn someone for, I don't know, something you imagine they did. Mm. Like, it's just because he's not a good person doesn't make him a murderer. Yeah, I don't... Not that I don't think he deserves to be in jail for being a rapist, because Mm -hmm. Lord knows plenty of of white, uh, rich teen boys assault girls and get away with it, so he deserves everything he gets for that but like he does not deserve like a life sentence for murder he didn't commit and also then you have to think about like when i talk about atonement that is like he he just agrees with it he doesn't contest it he doesn't argue it he just says yep that's the truth that's what happened and he goes to jail so what is that yeah and that's sort of the th- and that's sort of the same thing that happens in in season one is that this woman murdered not one but actually two gay men that she caught her husband having sex with both men of color both who were in their teens, um and 
there's no punishing her in a way because she has dementia and yet she's already been punished enough for all these years because she's had to take care of a man who despises Mm -hmm. her and and he's paralyzed from the waist down so again i feel like this i feel like it's the same sort of thing that we have this this sense of there's already been atonement this justice wasn't necessary but this justice also needed to happen but also this wasn't the way it should have happened and i don't know what the right answer is um also i think part of the part of the thing for me is that the show does not address the very glaring elephant in the room, which is that Jay is a psychopath. Oh, my God. That scene in Westminster. Like, Jay is, Jay is like a bad day from being a serial murderer, and the show treats him like a hero. That's, uh, uh, first of all, um, Reese Yates, who plays Jay, is, I mean, Jesus. Um, I have never seen that guy in anything before. I don't know where the hell they found him. Holy God. Talk about a role that is literally like a career maker. I know. He's so good in it. He's very, very scary. But the show does not engage with Jay. No. At all. No. And Jay is psychotic. Like, not only for the framing his great granddad about for murder, like pretending to be someone he's not for he's not for the majority of his life. There's this whole weird thing with the girlfriend and the um, drugs. And the, mm-hmm. he's literally like a bad day away from being a serial killer. And the sh- I just it boggles my mind that the show is like, well, this is fine. Um, It's OK. The scene where he comes he got his home. his nan back, so he'll be OK, even though even though we've seen that his nan is not exactly like parents of the year. So when, I don't when, know. When, when that scene, that scene where he comes home and he's like and he looks and Jordan is literally having sex with Cheryl. And he's like, or Cheryl, I think it's that really was cute like, that you I don't know. I was like, it's really cute that you have any idea what their names are. I'm like, and he's, just, like, he's, just, like, he, he's just like, I'm back now. You can leave. And you can make you can make with the mosaic, and Jordan just pops himself out and puts on his pants and makes with the mosaic. I was like, "Damn!" And then, and then when he gets taken to Westminster, and like he's—I mean, he literally has a lordship on the other end of the table who is like, "I just wanted to look you in the eye," and the guy's like, "Yeah, you did good, right?" Like, holy, did that just happen? Like, oh, and can I also just say, because they totally killed me, that Lord Tony then goes home to Lady Emma and says, oh, I got a drunken scuffle like I was 21, and she buys it. (laughs) This man is dying of cancer, and she buys that he got in a drunken scuffle like he was 21. That is some denial. Anyway. All right, moving on past whatever that just was. Okay, um. <laughs> we should also talk about Jess and Sonny. Because we have talked about, okay, because oh, wait, honest- I didn't hear your thoughts on Jay. You went off on your weird, like, whatever that just was. Sorry. So I, I don't I, feel like you answered the question. Okay, no, I was absolutely, like, horrified by him as a character, I have to say. Like, yes, I agree with everything you said and more so. That he was, he was, a, he was like a godfather character almost. Oh, I love the Godfather, but at least like the Godfather acknowledges who the Corleones are. That's that's the difference for me. Is that I really I love an antihero. T Swift, let's go. But <laughs> like I need some self awareness within the world of the 
of the show that this is a bad person who is doing a bad thing. Yes. And the show does not treat the show treats his behavior as just as justifiable as possibly even admirable. But it does not it does not read how freaking terrifying it is. He's going to kill somebody like that guy is going to kill someone. No, he Sounds is like a god. He is a godfather in training. Like that is what he is. And Reese Yates plays him as one. And the show doesn't seem to realize that it, it's like the it's like Reese knows what the character is, and the rest of the show has no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, maybe because I mean, even the Corleones and the Godfathers, they know who they are. Yeah. I, they and know who sh- they are. They know what they do, and they are very like fine with it. And that's the thing is, I feel like Yates knew what he was, and Yates know what knows what this character is, and nobody else did. And that's real weird. Um, uh, but we do need to talk about because I just realized that like we are at thirty five minutes, and we need to talk about Jess and Sonny. I was more interested in in all of that dynamic stuff all the, all the everything to do with that dynamic one than i was with the rest of the case because like i said i did i just this case was kind of a mess for me okay um i really need to know something and this is maybe because i just dropped all the messy people out of my life at some point right after college but <laughs> do people's sisters really sleep with their husbands in real life is that a thing I didn't, didn't i used to watch jerry springer quite a bit in college and if that is any indicator yes Okay. Um, did you know that that actress who's playing Jess's sister is actually Sinead Keenan's sister in real life? I did not know that. I loved that fact. <laughs> I thought she looked very familiar, but I couldn't put a finger on why. Maybe it's because it's because they're sisters. They it's because they're actually sisters. Um, and it, it cracked me up because uh, since I do the recaps, I always look up all the actors, and I was like, they're both named Keenan. Oh, they're actually really. Oh, they're actually sisters. Oh, that's really cool. And then the next episode, they it's revealed that Debbie sleep slept with with Jess's husband, and I howled. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know what that whole subplot was about. Her sister's terrible. Her mom is pretty awful. Her husband is also awful. I thought that was actually a very interesting sort of parallel. That, you know, she she literally says, I don't believe a word that comes out of your mouth to Lord Tony. And then she comes home to Steve and she doesn't believe a word that comes out of his mouth either. But she's going to let him put those twins to bed. And she's going to let him sleep in that guest room. And I thought that was an interesting parallel. I, I don't quite know what that parallel says, but I thought it was interesting. I just wanted her to want better for herself. <laughs> I do too. I like her. I do too. I like her. And I was just like, this guy is dirtbag and mm-hmm. i don't believe him when he's like i just kissed your sister because no. yes people often confess to affairs they did not have mm-hmm. um p.s as a general rule like people who confess to affairs are also only doing it to make themselves feel better mm-hmm. um was i where was i going with this so i don't believe him i think he's a liar mm-hmm. um i think he thinks his wife is an idiot apparently uh i'm really creeped out by her mom who is very I don't just like up in her business with advice no one asked for. Like, I like that she was like, I'm going to go get some wine. And I was like, oh, she's going to be supportive. And then it turns out she's like, no, you should take your dirtbag husband back. And no, thank you. Keep it, mom. Yeah, I, I have to say that I um I, I wasn't real. Kate Robbins is a great actress, but I really am not impressed by basically any of the James other than Jesse. Um, I also have to say that you know, I was really upset with Sonny about his desperate need for therapy. Um, 
I really loved the fact that Sal <laughs> kicked him to the curb this season. I thought that the entirety of of that, the way that played out, her pregnancy, his horror at her pregnancy, her miscarriage, his intense guilt, and her being like, you know what? I realized after miscarriage that I want a baby, and that's just not a thing that you and I are going to be able to be compatible on, so I got to go. Like, I thought all, all of that was so well done. He comes home and the house is just empty. And it's all his fault and there is nothing he can do about it. I just, everything about that was so good. I am not as attached to this relationship, I think, as people who have watched the show for longer than I have. So mm. I can't say I was just incredibly upset about this. I did not get a vibe that they were particularly great together anyway. Um, and also, aren't they a little in the age bracket where maybe having a baby naturally is not something that they should be discussing without a doctor involved? But whatevs. Um, I believe it would be called a geriatric pregnancy, yes. But that is anybody over 35. Well, yeah. I was going to say, every, anybody who's like over 30 is a geriatric pregnancy. But I was just, I guess maybe in my head, I was pegging them older than they're supposed to be. Because, Yeah. Anyway, um, um, he is supposed to, okay, he is supposed to be, he is supposed to be our age. She is supposed to be 10 years younger. Are you serious? Yes. Okay, that is just, that is just a blatant, incredible lie. Um, <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> this is like how Andrea on 90210 was supposed to be 18 and was like 35 <laughs> in real life. But where was I going with this? Sorry, that just really blew my mind a little bit. There's no way that woman is supposed to be 35. How old is Sunny supposed to be? Please do not say 35. No, he's supposed to be 45. He's supposed to be our age, and she's supposed to be like seven to ten years younger. Oh, he's da- he's dating ten years younger than him. Uh-huh. Sure. He's very <laughs> nice, but he's not he's not getting a ten, a ten years younger than him, lady. Anyway, um, moving back to my point, and while Annie's like falling out of her chair, is that I liked that she left because too often shows don't let women leave mm. in those scenarios. I think it's important that if this is something that is a legitimate deal breaker for you. That you should walk away from it. You should not feel bad about it. And our media should reflect that instead of coming up with some awkward compromise where no one is really happy and everybody secretly resents each other for the rest of their lives. So I like that bit. I agree. I think Sunny's probably a terrible romantic partner. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about that, but I do think I do think that Sunny needs therapy so much. Well, yes, that's true. But I also felt like she had a very valid point when she said that, you know, she didn't want to be jealous of a dead woman. But I think watching him mourn Cassie, there's no way you could not feel like you were coming in second, which made me have a whole lot of like retroactive questions about their relationship. But hey, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I told you that Ag- that there Sunny has a huge. I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I do think that there's a lot there. I do think that Sunny needs to go to therapy next season. Um, I, uh, um, as for the rest of them, I know that you don't really care about them very much, but I do think that there was- I did think Fran was really great this season. I really liked that she got more to do. Um, I- And was just generally awesome. The other ones, I don't know their names. Um, I actually thought, and I don't know if you picked up on this, um, one of the things about uh, Jess is that she doesn't know any of their names and she keeps getting them wrong, especially Kaz. Oh, who, when no, I, I wish I noticed her, that. That would have made me like her more. Um, in, 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 in the, the first episode, when we would discuss the first episode of the season, I referred to Kaz Willits and you were like, who? And at one point she just calls Kaz completely by the wrong name. Oh, I wish I'd caught on to that. It would have really made me like, it really would have made me like her even more. Don't remember the names of boring people. 
Well, no, I had this moment where you were like, where I remembered you saying, there's like three, bra- there's like three brunettes. How am I supposed to remember which one Willits is? And I'm like, man, Jess and Lacey are totally on the same wavelength. Still could not tell you which one. Uh, Willits is the one who gets to, she actually gets quite a bit to do this season. She wanders around to, she's the one who wanders around doing all the weirdo interviews with all the really random side characters. Like having tea with people. Oh, yeah. She loves a V-neck sweater. <laughs> Yeah, so she, I just yeah. I don't that, think I would take tea from people. I'm not, I just don't think I would take a cup of tea from suspects I am interviewing, and that maybe because I listen to too much true crime, but also no. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I did kind of like the fact that, that they didn't, that Jess doesn't fit in at first, that she doesn't remember everybody's name, that she has them all gather in her office like a school marm, that she asks them all to call her gov, and they keep forgetting. I there's just so much, there were so many small little things about the way that like you get a new boss and the new boss isn't the same as the old boss and like you have to adjust and I really loved that. Um and I I really love I do wish. I do wish mm-hmm. and they get over it by like the fifth episode, but I don't know that the show did a great job of giving me a through line to how they got there. Sunny is such an expletive to her. Oh man, and- when she called him a d- I cheered. <laughs> um, I'm sure Mark will cheer when he has to bleep out that you said it instead of just saying expletive like I just did. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. We're doing like, it live. We're doing it live, guys. But anyway, like I feel like we get to see him being such an expletive to her. And then they work it out by like comparing who had the worst, terribly no good, very bad day, which is fine. And he but says I you win. Think- well, yeah, but I don't like that's one interaction out of how many interactions and suddenly everything is fine between them. Like I just like the th- like I knew that by the end of the season, they would work it out and learn how to work together and, and start to get to know each other, or whatever. I don't think the show did a very good job of showing me that through line because literally like half an hour before that conversation, he's in whatever his name is, his office is being like, I can't work like this dramatic hand to the forehead. So like, I just don't. I don't know. It felt really convenient. Um, I, I w- okay. Honestly, for me, it wasn't the through line of them comparing the bad days. It's the fact that they then go into the interrogation room the next day and they're magic together. And that, that, that they really discover that they have great chemistry. And that it's it's less that moment than the next episode where and maybe that's maybe that's because the way I watch and the way I recap, I I could see the through line much better than like maybe because I, I did as as no one will be surprised to know I did watch them all in a in a chunk, <laughs> but I also feel like that's not the first time they've interviewed someone. No, that was like, that was really the first. That time was the they first inter- time they were in the in the room. I'm making air quotes, but they definitely interviewed suspects together multiple times over the course of this season. But that was the first time they interviewed them as a team and really played off each other. And like literally, like one was disarming, I mean, and the other. I knew we were. I knew we were going to get to this eventually, okay. but I just feel like it did not earn that for me. And okay. I wish. I don't. I definitely did not need this season to have another episode to do more insane things with the larger story. But I would have maybe liked them to kind of it, it re reallocate some time to maybe show that a little bit more because 
if I have to see the scene where Sonny's literally in his boss's office, like threatening to quit because he can't work under these terrible conditions, don't I then deserve to see the moment where he realizes the opposite? Yes, I do agree with you there. And I do think that there was a level, and I said this the first, uh, in our first Unforgotten Season 5 episode, where they were trying to do so much and they were packing so much in, in trying to do both this argument between the two leads and this extremely complicated case. I know. I wish they'd done just like a, a, a very simple mystery or or get rid of the stupid Carol plot. Like, I don't need to see him. I don't need to see him with his stepkids in France. Like, do I care if your girlfriend's ex-husband is mad at you? Guess what? The answer is no. I Honestly, I think that this season would have been much better served with a season three style mystery where the connection between the four suspects is immediately introduced before the before is that the one the, where they all had the same rental house. Yes. And they're all still best friends. And that one like that's a very and that makes it that, that simplified it so much. And I really feel yeah, like you don't the, have to do the work of figuring out how they all fit into this yeah. larger thing because it's just very obvious. Yeah. Maybe that would have been better. Or that whole segment of the story added nothing to it and could have been cut. That guy was cute. That's the only thing I can say. Yeah, but then there would only have been three suspects and the show has to have four because that's its formula. And I hate well, saying that out loud because it drives me nuts that that's its I'm formula. I'm like, you hear yourself. Yes, I know. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it should have to stick to that formula. But it does. It really does. This show really feels like it needs to do that. Well, I mean, this is this is an example of the formula that when the formula does not work, because mm-hmm. that fourth suspect added absolutely nothing to the larger story. And made things so much more difficult than they needed to be. I mean, I'm really glad his girlfriend dumped him. That's about where I am with that subplot. Um, yeah, I have to agree with that too. I was that is that was the only really satisfying part, except maybe the fact that he didn't get arrested for those stupid watches. Um. Oh, also that we never actually got to see that that warehouse was Amazon. Even though you know that that was a Bezos-owned warehouse. You knew. What was he doing? I just, it's so stupid. That whole, I can't even talk about that plot because it's so stupid. Yes. Um. But I do really like Jesse James, though. I do, too. I, think, um, I love her wide leg pants. I know she loves a wide leg pant. I, I think I texted you that at some point. <laughs> I had Which to- is funny because, you know, normally, and I say... I say when I say short women, please let me go on record by saying that I am six one. So most women are short to me. Like she is so short that I don't understand why she's wearing wide leg pants. Because normally, like petite women and wide leg pants are not like a great combo. But she's just she just commits to it. Um, as a short woman, one of these days, one of these days, there is going to be a picture of me and Lacey and every and I'm not going to be wearing foreign shields. And everybody is going to be laughing because you are going to see that there is more than a foot between the two of us because I am actually five foot and three quarters inch. Um, I'm not even five foot one. (laughs) Three quarters inch, damn it. When you are a five foot woman with a very large posterior you wear wide-legged pants because it makes you look less wide as you are tall. I mean, I liked her commitment. To, I liked her commitment to the wide-legged pants. She did wear a tremendous amount of layers. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I honestly like I loved everything about Jesse James' style, and 
you know me. Like, I love costumes. I, 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 am, I am a wig enthusiast who gets mad when wigs look bad. <laughs> to actually get a text from you about her outfits excited me so much. So, yes. Um, I mean, welcome, I guess. <laughs> it made me very happy that you were like, oh, you were like, Lila. you were like, I love her white like pants. And I'm like, yes, okay. Um, we- <laughs> anyway. I mean, I'm more of a bootcut girl, but still. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I, I love a bell bottom because really it does things for the hips. <laughs> anyway, um, that, 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 that's, I think that's probably where we should leave off on this. Yeah, I guess like, I don't know. Should we do the what? I, has it been, re- it's been renewed. Oh, yes, it has. It, it, yeah. oh, oh, this season, actually, it's, I want to. This show is like never going to end. This show's never going to end. Honestly, the ratings on ITV when it came back with the new duo were as high as Annika season one. Did Annika season one do... Oh, Annika season one did huge numbers in the UK. Oh, see, these are the things that I don't pay attention to. I barely pay attention to it in America. Um, um, so, yes, um, season six has already been renewed. They didn't even wait for PBS. Well, no, you realize now that they've proven they can do the Grandchester thing, the show's going to run for the rest of time. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, You know what? When, when, when Sanjeev Bhaskar decides that he is done and he is going to go pl- do more stuff with his wife, you know, maybe go be Mr. Sadu and Mrs. Sadu investigates, like the two of... like. Yeah, they will be. They will figure out how to replace Sunny in the same way. Um, but honestly, that I I am looking forward to season six. I am looking forward to seeing the next mystery. I am looking forward to hopefully maybe getting a mystery that won't frustrate me quite as much as this one did. But also, I am actually glad that I got another one that's like season one in that I got another what is justice moment from this show because. I've always been very frustrated by that first season, and I feel like I'm more justified in my feelings about it now that I've seen the show do another one that didn't quite hit the mark in the same way. Um, I am interested in seeing more of Sunny and Jess's dynamic like develop in the next season, and I hope it's a little more... Um... I don't know. What's the word I want here? I want it to... I just want a little more like, like actual depth to it. Maybe because mm-hmm. we go for, we go yeah. very quickly from being at odds to being like partners, and I really like to see them sort of actually get to know each other in in like a real way. Yeah, I'd like him to meet her kids. I'd like him to meet Steve and decide that Steve is a dirtbag. You know. Well, I'm interested to see like whether Steve will be around next season and whether um, Sonny's fiance will come back and all of that stuff because I don't know. I'm into the interpersonal stuff. <laughs> she's into the interpersonal stuff and she still doesn't know which one Kaz is. Um, no, but I love Fran. That's all I got on that front. But um, I really would like to have a case where every person involved in it is not a shade of legitimately terrible. That would be great. Um, and that there is not an ending that makes me feel like the show is like, this psychopath is fine. That would also <laughs> be super great. Um, I, I am I am definitely here to be uh to be following Reese's Reese Yates career though. Like I can't wait to see him do something else. Like that was I know he's uh, very good. Yeah. Like I don't know where they found that kid, but damn. <laughs> All right, that is our episode. Uh, I think it went a little long. Apologies, but we had a lot to say. It was a whole season after all, mostly. We only did one episode the last time we talked about it. But um Annie, tell the people, as usual, where you are on the internet. 
Um, you can find me at your social media of choice at Annie Bundle. Uh, you can find me at Televisions as the assist as the associate editor. Um, you can find me freelancing around MSNBC, uh, at Pays, to Primetime, or at Salon, lots of different places. And um, you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies, their very cute little noses. Um, at Instagram at Annie Bundle on Instagram. That's it? Okay. Yep, Just checking. Um, I am Lacey MB on your social media app of choice. I'm still on Twitter as it circles the drain, but I'm really enjoying Blue Sky if anybody has migrated over that way yet. If you want the site and the pod, we are on social media at telly underscore visions for now on Twitter um, until they make it completely unusable. I don't know. Maybe we should move that to Blue Sky. Maybe? I don't know. Let us know if you're on Blue Sky. We'll see. But we are on Television's blog on Facebook. That's all one word. And if you don't want any of that, you can find everything we make at televisions.org, including episodes of this show, news updates, recaps, listicles, thinky think pieces, etc., etc. While you're there, if you would like to help us keep making more content, you can click on that big old donate button up at the top of the site and get access to PBS Passport at the same time, which will be chock full of all manner of things this fall including early access to i'm pretty sure all of the new shows coming yes all three of them uh including world on fire hotel portofino and annika season two i think they're all season twos oh and also little bird don't forget little bird oh and little bird i did forget about little bird i'm sorry it's not quite in our wheelhouse but it seems pretty cool uh that's our show thanks for listening Uh, I hope everybody's getting into the spirit of spooky season. Pumpkin Spice is here. Halloween candy is in the store. I just saw my first Christmas commercial the other day, and I'm really upset about it. (laughs) So there are candles that are that look that are magically hanging from the ceiling in my living room. Don't ask how. Ooh, I approve. Um, What else? It's also uh, get your vaccinations and booster update time, flu shots, COVID boosters. I don't know. We got like a list of six things from our HR department about all the stuff we could get vaccines for if we qualified for them. So do what you can to take care of yourselves this fall and this winter. I think it's going to be a little bit rough out there as we all head back out into the world en masse for the first, you know, thoroughly real time in a few years. And I don't know. I had COVID. I don't want to do it again. I can't wait to get a booster. I'm very excited. Anyway, uh, as always, thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we will see you next week.